right, glad you're with us. Mark this day down in your brain. 200 days until Election Day. Now, what did I tell you even before Christmas when I was going on vacation? I said, buckle up, get rested, because it is going to be a roller coaster ride. It's going to be up and down and emotional, and I just didn't think it would be this nuts. Everything that happens, everything you're watching, everything the mob does, everything Democrats do is all filtered through a prism, and that is November 3rd. That is the election. Everything is highly charged, and you you can't even get agreement on something to bail out small businesses. You you, you know, it was interesting. Jim Jordan put out a tweet today. Let's see. Democrats want to pay states to release criminals. They want to free detained illegal aliens, and out in California, give them a check. Uh, close churches, make abortion clinics, quote, essential and stop gun sales. Republicans want to help businesses with the Paycheck Protection Program. The one thing that everyone seemed to agree on and get America open and, and back to work as quickly and as safely as possible. By the way, some good news. I mean, the first GM built ventilators have now arrived at hospitals and it's the first of 30,000 that they're going to make. And we hope you don't want them. And there's also about 20 other drugs. We have not spent, what do you say? It's a rendisivir. That's what's the RNA inhibitor drug we spoke about a long time ago. Um, there's another rheumatoid arthritis drug that is promising. We'll ask Dr. Oz later in the program as we talk about that. Texas, a lot of states are now opening, but even opening, it, uh, their state is now a political event and and everybody wants to politicize it. It, it is an, it is a fascinating study in the Democratic mindset, conservative mindset. We'll get into that. We have an update uh, Fox News, the news division, not the news of talk uh, opinion division has an update on U.S. officials confirming a full-scale investigation of whether coronavirus escaped from the Wuhan lab. The one thing that we do know is that China stopped all travel in and out of Wuhan province within China, but they left Wuhan travel open to the world. That means they've got blood on their hands. That means they knew it was bad. That means, oh, and they, they nearly doubled their death count today. As if we believe them in the first place. It is, they, think about how profound this is. The Chinese Communist government stops travel to and from the Wuhan province within China. No travel. They had their own travel ban. As the one member, Trump puts in the travel ban and they say it's racist. Uh, China was saying that. The World Health Organization, they're kind of like the fake news CNN. Conspiracy TV, MSDNC, New York Times, Washington Post, if you will, of the communist Chinese. They just they just were press partners and and literally America is footing the bill for that. And I'll tell you right now, with all the money being spent, the four hundred and eighty fifty million or five hundred million dollars we spend every year, we need it right now. And China needs to start kicking in to the entire world and pay for what they knew was a disaster. That is beyond whether, you know, the Fox reporting, though, that this there there now is a full scale investigation uh, because we now have officials within our government. This is Brett Baer's exclusive on the Fox News Channel 
that intelligence operators are gathering information about the laboratory. They, we knew ahead of time that there were a ton of problems in this lab. But we know that patient zero, now they're not saying the virus was manufactured in the lab. Uh, I, had, I had been reading, uh, at least 5,000 people sent me, Hannity, you got a report on this. It was a manufactured virus. Now, I asked Brett Bear, well, do we know for, they, they don't think it's man-made. They think it was just patient zero, bit by a bat, worked in the lab, and then walked around Wuhan, and it just spread like wildfire. Um, which I understand that there is increasing confidence that this outbreak, again, Fox News reporting, uh, originated in the Wuhan lab, not as a bioweapon, part of an effort to show that its efforts to identify and combat viruses are equally or greater than those in the U.S. And they've confirmed that they have taken in the U.S. officials, intelligence community, the possibility of coronavirus being man-made or engineered inside of china as some sort of bioweapon off the table and have ruled it out at this point again this is this is not my story i've been watching it um i put a lot of faith in the in in the people i work with at fox um i'm watching it but the most amazing part of it is they knew it was bad and they let travel go all around the world but not within their own country now that means as far as i'm concerned and and i think tom cotton and dan crenshaw introducing a bill to allow Americans to sue China, uh, I think we ought to just start by taking the debt that they hold and saying, you're not getting it back until we pay the cost of this. Because you you made this happen around the world in the sense that you are smart enough to protect your the rest of your country, but you didn't care about anybody else in the world. Uh, and the WHO director uh, was your propaganda minister, your own CNN. Uh, that ought to scare every single American. Everybody should be angry about it. Um, I've been warning in detail, and I'm going to get into more of of this as the show unfolds today. But I'm telling you, there is there there's a percolating sentiment out here that you better not, you know, the, the Kentucky governor's taking people's license plates down. That's not going over well. Churches being ordered no singing during a live stream service unless they are in their homes. Uh, then you have a California, you know, some of these restrictions and some of these fines and ripping people off of buses if they don't have a mask instead of just handing them a mask and saying, here, if you don't have one, we have one for you. Uh, it's not going to end up going well. I'm just I'm telling you right now. Uh, and the the governors, I'll get to that in a second, their reaction to a lot of this. But the backlash is beginning you saw this now, the beginnings of it, it in Michigan with Whitmer. Now Whitmer's trying to fight back against the people that are saying the, your get-at-home, stay-at-home orders are way, way more than what is necessary to keep people safe. And you're watching heavy-handed law enforcement. I, I talked about this guy in Pennsylvania dragged off a bus for not wearing a mask. Um, you know, look, people have to buy into this. You know, the idea that a majority of Democrats would be in favor of the government taking blood samples from every American and putting ankle bracelets on people that are COVID-19 positive. That's not going to fly. We have a Constitution. We have a Bill of Rights. uh, We have civil liberties. And most Americans want their medical and they deserve their medical privacy. And if they keep pushing people this hard, this is what you're going to get. 
And for the Michigan governor, Whitmer, saying that the protests are going to lead to an extension of stay-at-home orders and start fighting with the protesters who are trying to communicate something to her is a bad idea. There was a reopen Colorado rally uh, to end statewide health orders there, planned for Sunday. Uh, beaches and parks uh, are to reopen in Jacksonville, Florida. I think most Americans, they're, they're fine with the social distancing. Most people have cooperated at the highest level, even in New York City. Um, but you better not make it mandatory or better not be ripping people out of parks and off of buses and off of trains. And what you ought to be doing, the states, if they'd ever get their acts together, they, they ought, need to know they wanted the authority. The president gave them the authority yesterday. And basically said, when you screw it up, we'll be there to back you up again. Um, and it's it's getting uh, ugly. Vegas dealers, you know, they want to wear masks that uh, you can temperature check people going into casinos for sure. Uh, you can test food handlers, whether they're COVID-19 positive or not. Um, there there are many other options beyond which the, these myopic thinking people are out there. We've got to stop everything. We can't stop everything anymore. He just can't. Um, then you got other representatives protesting. People are willing to let thousands die so they can get their smoothie. Congressman Dan Kildee, whoever he is from Michigan. No, that's not what people were saying. Um, anyway, the Michigan governor now basically saying, yeah, you protest. I'm going to keep you in your house longer. That's not going to work either. The Vegas mayor is saying the shutdown in Vegas is insanity. Makes no sense. There's ways to open it and open it safely. That's why I'm telling people, look, I, look, I can only speak for myself as a citizen. And as a citizen, number one, I want China held accountable. That's number one. Now that we know the extent of them protecting themselves and leaving all of us vulnerable and lying to the world on top of it. So that's that's fact number one. Number two, if if it means for a short period of time, the governor has asked everybody in New York and to his credit, he didn't ask for everybody in New York. Didn't you're not getting a fine if you don't have a mask. If you if you're not socially distant, he says wear a mask. And okay, I'm I'm willing to do that. Why? Because I'm I'm in great shape. I've been in the, I'm in the best shape of my life right now. Uh, but still, I don't want to get the virus and then give the virus to somebody who might have a compromised immune system or underlying health issues. So I'll do it for them because I want to be a good citizen. If the choice is no Yankee games, no Mets games, no Jets Giants games, or you get your temperature checked with the thermometer assuming that everybody that works at any stadium they're going to have to have a positive negative COVID-19 test food handlers trainers players you got to protect the players etc but if it means I have to wear a mask well the Yankees should be designing masks that they can give out the Mets should be doing it the Giants and Jets should be doing it and if everybody has to wear it if my choice is no game sit at home watch an empty stadium or wear a mask i'll wear the mask if i have to sip my beer through a straw i'm willing to do that but i can't speak for all of you but that would be my choice um we know that these rallies to reopen the economy they're now spreading all over the country this is now the i'm telling you pay attention to this you know drivers swarm the michigan capital by the way drivers never stop working farmers never stop farming you know, those packers never stop packing manufacturers. Yeah. GM were building ventilators and building face shields and building and manufacturers producing N95 masks, respirators, gowns, gloves. They all kept working. That's why the stores are still full. 
Uh, we have Governor Tom Wolf now. He's he had his bill vetoed that would allow Pencil, more Pennsylvania businesses to open up. Um, you got a fight in Michigan is getting louder by the day. The president tweeted out today, liberate Michigan, liberate Minnesota, liberate Virginia. Look, I think most Americans will do it safely. We got it. We understand distancing, mask, gloves, temperature checks. Privacy has to be key. If you don't add the privacy part, it's not going to ever work. So the president announces his plan yesterday. Now, Northeast governors. Now, I'm telling you, this really amazes me. The president built all the hospitals for New York. He built the Javits Center, and then they asked for it to be converted to COVID-19. He changed the ventilation system. They built it in four freaking days, the largest hospital in the country. He sent the Comfort Navy Hospital ship. Then they made that COVID-19. He provided all the personnel for those two massive hospitals. Every ventilator that New York had came from Donald Trump. And most of the gloves, most of the respirators, gowns, masks, and, and everything else, and the hydroxychloroquine all came from Donald Trump. Now they're trying, this is what they're doing, according to the Blaze today, that Northeast governors are working to Trump proof their reopening plan. Trump proof, good, good luck. Go. You're on your own. Get your own testing kits. At some point, when do you contribute? And here's another thing that the states better understand. That most of you liberal, high-tax, high-regulated states that were having huge budget deficits, you don't get to put the bill on the American taxpayer. And this is where Republicans in Washington better do their job. In other words, they got to earmark the money. Okay, we're going to earmark it towards ventilators. We're going to earmark it towards uh, hospital equipment. We're going to earmark it directly to workers displaced. We're going to earmark it to small businesses and big businesses. And that's it. Then the governors can do what they want. Let them take some responsibility here. You know, the federal government, the biggest, most massive medical mobilization in the history of mankind. They've got a role here, too, except bitching and and moaning and groaning on, on television every day. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. What's their job? I mean, at some point, what do they do? All right, as we roll along, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program? All right, Northeast governors, you want to Trump-proof your reopening plans? Go Trump-proof it. You've, you asked for the freedom, the choice to do it your way. I had Governor Cuomo on yesterday. Governor, I, I gave you my best ideas. 50% New York City workforce works from home. Everybody gets a temperature check going into a New York building. Everybody has to wear, even indoors, masks and gloves. That's my plan. They got to eat in in a confined area where there's a lot more social distancing than the six to ten feet. As it relates, I would open City Field and Yankee Stadium. Everybody that works in the stadium, players, trainers, coaches, food handlers, ticket takers, all of them have to have a COVID-19 test. The Yankees, I'm sure, the Mets, I'm sure, will be glad to do that. And everybody, if you want to go, these are the rules. Temperature check on the way in. You have to drink your beer through a straw. You can get a hot dog, take a bite, chew it under your respirator, but you can't eat popcorn because that means you can't keep your respirator on. That's it. If that's the choice, either I go that way or don't go, I'm going to go. That's, you know, that's how you open things up. 
All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Uh, our hour call-in, your questions with uh, Dr. Oz coming up at the top of the next hour. Uh, we've been doing this in the middle of COVID-19, especially with reopenings. Whatever questions you have. By the way, there's not a dumb question on this. I know some people maybe are uncomfortable. Well, I don't know if I want to. There are other people thinking it, whatever it is. Um, and, uh, you know, it's my job to, to do the deep dive into you know, hydroxychloroquine, resendabeer, and all these other treatments and ventilators and gloves. And, you know, that's but it's not the average person's job. And you might have questions that other people will probably be thinking themselves. So I think uh, anyway, if you want to call in, it's 800-941-SEAN. Uh, quick questions. We'll get you quick answers. We'll move the show, get as many questions and answers in as we possibly can. Uh, you know, I'm watching this whole thing unfold here and I'm watching Governor Whitner. Whitmer of Michigan literally vowing revenge on Corona shutdown protesters said she's now considering extending her guidelines in response to Michigan residents who protested the stay at home restrictions on Wednesday, calling that irresponsible. She was on with a conspiracy theorist over there at Conspiracy Television, Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow Show. We might have to actually think about extending stay-at-home orders, which is supposedly what they're protesting. Ooh, sounds like a lot of contempt for people, people there. Uh, the blaze goes into these Northeastern governors banding together to find a way to Trump-proof their plans to reopen their state's economies. Uh, Governor Cuomo, several other Northeast governors reportedly developing a plan that they hope <clears throat> would thwart attempts by the president to influence how and when they reopen their state economies. I'm not sure what press conference they were listening to yesterday, because the one I was listening to, the president said uh, he's letting you governors decide. Now, you know, I, I love how you all now want to hand all your power over to Donald Trump. The fact is, look. I'm trying, for the sake of my fellow New Yorkers in a time of national emergency, I'm trying to work with the governor. I don't want any more New Yorkers sick. Um, I, I, wor I made phone calls. Let me put it this way. We have called Tevla in Israel about, the. I'm sorry, Teva. It's a, the, the manufacturer of hydroxychloroquine in Israel. We've been in, Linda, how many times were you in touch with people or people surrounding or people connected yeah, to Yeah, we've reached Teva? out independently many times. Okay. We've been in touch with Dr. Josh uh, Umber, our friend at Atlas MD. Which he's still taking questions, if anyone in the audience has them. Yeah, he is. If you want to give that out, you can. He's taking any medical questions people have, and he's doing it for free. Uh, just like Dr. Oz. These doctors haven't slept, in case you're interested. And because they're trying to get the treatments that will keep people alive and stop the death. That's what these people are committing their lives to. And, you know, but this is what they're up to. Anyway, so... And I'm watching. So the president was obviously watching Governor Cuomo. And I'm trying to get everybody along here. Uh, when the president, when the governor of New York would not allow pharmacies to dispense hydroxychloroquine, which every doctor that I know in New York wants to prescribe to their patients. The only way you can get it is go to a hospital. Now, if you don't have COVID-19 before you go to the hospital, your odds are much, pretty much higher. You're going to have it by the time you leave that place. It's like a you know, Petri dish in all these hospitals. Don't, you know, if you can avoid it, and remember the vast majority, over 80 to 90% of people 
no symptoms, mild symptoms, just regular flu symptoms. They don't get the full-on attack assault on the lungs that this thing is capable of. So Cuomo's doing his thing today, and he's apparently saying that the federal government has to provide the, uh, what is it, I guess the testing. And, you know, now I'm looking at this from everybody's point of view here. I understand the governor's feeling an intense pressure. I understand the president is feeling an intense pressure. President, you know, whether you like Donald Trump or not, what this guy has done has been nothing short of miraculous in a record period of time. It's transformational. It is it is something you'd never see from any lifelong bureaucrat. It was made for the times. I mean, starting with the travel ban 10 days after the first known case, then the first quarantine in over 50 years and the subsequent travel bans. It saved lives, saved how many it saved this from being so exponentially worse. Now, Governor Cuomo on the show yesterday, to his credit, said, yep, that was a good call. And the president has delivered for New York. I wish we could have left it there. Now, I don't know why the governor's saying that the, the federal government, why it's public. I don't know why he's making it public, because the president's not going to take the public criticism, especially after he provided all the ventilators and built all the hospitals, manned all the hospitals, converted the hospitals like the largest in the country at the Javits Center that was not designed to be COVID-19 uh, to take on those patients, but overflow other patients, other issues that they have. Anyway, redesign that, redesign the Navy hospital ship comfort, sent, you know, they, they didn't buy the ventilators in the state. In 2006, New York City was told to buy 10,000 ventilators. Now, all right, give Bloomberg credit. He bought 500 of the nearly 10,000 they recommended. They didn't buy any from the 2015, November 2015 ventilator recommendation that said this is a foreseeable, predictable event. Peak week will be shy 15,783 ventilators. You know, now we're getting back to, you know, at that moment when the governor said, I need 40,000 of them. And that's where I went sideways. I've resolved that with the governor. I'm done with it. And I want to open New York now, but safely. Because it's not if it rebounds, it's when it rebounds. Every doctor we've talked to says the same thing. Now, you have to mitigate, but we can't destroy the country. The cure can't be worse than the problem. Um, now, we've learned a lot. Okay, I my plan for opening New York City buildings is the Hannity plan. Okay, if you've got a better one, use it. It's not about my ego. I don't have an ego in this. I just want to see people back to work because I know people want to get back to work. All right. So temporarily, a new normal in life, especially in New York City, is going to be your temperature check before you get into a building. That's not that expensive. I actually did the research. Well, what did we find out? We found out digital thermometers. They work the best. You can get them for as low as six bucks. I bet if you buy it in bulk, you get it for three bucks. Then they have the infrared th thermometers for non-contact screening. It's a little more money, but you can get them as low as 15 to 20 bucks, according to our research. The thermal cameras, which is the fever detection requirements, the world has renewed interest in that technology. That's where you can have large groups of people and see if there is, uh, you know, I, I worry about civil liberties, medical privacy here, but there might be a way to do it. But, you know, it's government. How can you ever trust anybody? But the digital uh, thermometers, okay, find out how do I buy them? How do I buy lots of them? 
Maybe people can buy their own thermometer. Maybe we give an allowance. Everyone buy a thermometer. Everyone get a free thermometer at their place of work, whatever. But you got to take your temperature if you're going into a building, and you're going to have to wear a mask and gloves. Half the workforce is gone. We're working from home. New normal. Okay, they'll make it work for a while. It's, this is not permanent. This is temporary so that we don't have a, a huge rebound and have to go back and do this all over again. Um, then the next thing is, okay, you now have half the workforce isn't in a big New York City building. That means it's there's more social distancing. If everybody wears the gloves and the masks all day, as inconvenient as that is, okay, then the, you're lessening the opportunity to spread the virus. If you hit a hot zone, you know, you come in like a SWAT team and then you do all the contact tracing. Um, that's it. Now, you know, so after the president builds all the hospitals, sends all the ventilators, has New York's back, puts all the personnel on at the Javits Center. It's, that's all our, our brave men and women in the military, all the personnel on the Navy ship. You know, all the the, the the hundreds of thousands of masks, gowns, shields, gloves, it's all been given by the federal government. Other hospitals built around the place, every ventilator that they need. And it's like the government needs to provide. The government needs to provide. I'm like, at some point, the governor's got to say, all right, well, I'm going to handle this part. They've got to do their part. And so the president was clearly watching it and said he should do spend more time doing less time complaining. Get out there, get the job done. Stop talking. We built you the thousands of hospital beds that you didn't need or use, gave large numbers of ventilators that you should have had and helped you with testing that you should be doing. We've given New York far more money, help equipment than any other state by far. And these men, great men and women who did the job, you know, never hear the thank you. And the then the governor goes out today. Then he starts with, you know, he's asked about the president's tweet. Maybe he should get off the couch and go to work. Okay, that's not going to help the governor. That's not. Uh, oh, and what do you, we thanked you many times. What does he want, a bouquet of flowers? No, he wants everyone to roll up their sleeves and do their part. Now I'm reading that the Northeast governors are working on their Trump-proof, their reopening plan. Okay, go Trump-proof it. Go do it on your own. I don't have any problem with that. Go get your own thermometers. Go, go buy your testing kits. Now, I've called over to Abbott. How many times did we contact Abbott? How difficult has that been, Linda? It's been very hard, right? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of the problem that we're dealing with a lot of these people is they're not media savvy. You know, they're they're scientists. They're medical professionals. They hear that it's, uh, Sean Hannity wants to talk to you, and they go in a full-fledged tailspin and panic. That's of what course. they do when I'm just trying to get information that I can pass on to the audience. You know, <clears throat> two weeks ago... We didn't have an antibody test. Now they've got a million of them thanks to Abbott. The five-minute test, that's Abbott. How do you mass produce them? That was really my question. And then the states, they ought to be now thinking about buying their own thermometers, buying their own test kits, and the president will help if there's any hot zones that emerge here. You know, for Governor Whitmer in Michigan to talk about taking revenge, we're going to actually extend the stay-at-home orders um, etc. I'm like, all right, that good luck getting reelected and being Joe's vice presidential running mate, the chairman of New York City Transit, screaming that they're going to need a uh, four billion dollars. Well, let the people of New York is their transit system. Why are you going to need four billion dollars? That they, you know, the ridership may only rebound. Okay, well then, put some of the trains offline and and have less service in the interim since nobody's using them. Or very or few people are using them. Might be longer waits, whatever. 
Um, de Blasio insisting the funding, you know, he's funding his wife's $250 million vanity program. That goes on. You know, I bet New York State would love to have back the wasted $750 million uh, they spent on the solar factory that flopped or the $600 million on the microchip. Well, why is any state government getting into that and $90 million in light bulbs? It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me why they're, you know, New York doesn't do fracking. But, you know, I just, I'm not, this isn't personal. I just want everybody to live and I want to get life back to normal. You think I love my own opening Yankee Stadium plan? Not particularly. I don't feel like going to a game and wearing a mask and gloves. But if my option is no game or I get a temperature test on the way in and I have to wear a mask, hopefully the Yankees will make a nice one and give one to everybody um, and gloves or I'll wear it. I can't eat popcorn and peanuts. I'll eat a hot dog. I'll just open my mask, take a bite and chew it underneath my respirator. I'll drink my beer with a straw. I guess it has to be a paper straw because you can't use a real straw. Paper straw makes everything taste like crap, by the way. Can I just make a point? You can make a point. This is a very ironic point, and I hope that everybody listening can appreciate this. Trying to bring everybody together here. Can we talk about the big plastic cup that your paper straw is going into? Just for like a hot second. (laughs) I mean, is that... that, Am I the only one to find that I think they have paper cups by law in New York. No, I get all my drinks in in a plastic cup. Okay. Moving on. Can I, can, I, can I continue the show now? Sorry. Biden. Oh, now, first we had Obama, those angry um, Pennsylvanians that cling to their God, their guns, their Bibles, and religion. Remember that? Their Second Amendment. Yeah, and then we had irredeemable deplorables. And now we've got liberal quid pro quo Joe. Oh, did you get that audio that I asked for Joe Biden? Yes. Biden. So remember Joe. Joe's having another moment. It's not good. He has his own deplorables moment. But first, let me go to this. Remember Joe said, we hold these truths to be so and all men and women are created equal. And we hold these truths to be self evident The thing. All men and women created by the, go, you know the, you oh, know you the know thing. the thing. The, the thing being everything. God, everything, the creator of everything. Yeah, we have another one of those moments. You got handed a softball on fake news CNN. Listen to this one. I don't quite understand why mm-hmm. we're taking so long mm-hmm. to do the kinds of things that mm-hmm. that have to be done. Like um, what? You know, there's a uh, during World War Two, mm-hmm. uh, you one? know, where Roosevelt mm-hmm. came up with a thing, uh, a thing. that uh, you know thing. was totally different than a different thing. A, than the, the it's mm-hmm. called he called it the you know the, thing. the World War Two. He had the world the, the, the war thing. production board. Well, board. I don't know production. why we don't set up something like a pandemic production board. Uh, what do you think the task force is, Joe, who supported the travel ban two months and three days late? Now he's going after the president's supporters. You know, this is Joe and asked if he can go after Trump's base. The people I grew up with, white working class, high school educated people. He said there are people who support the president because they like the fact that he is engaged in the politics of division. They support the notion that, you know, all Mexicans are rapists and all Muslims are bad and dividing this nation based on ethnicity and race. He goes on. This is one of the few presidents who succeeded deliberately trying to divide the country. Not, you know, he says that we're going to have a difficult time, but he's building a transition team. Apparently, Did you hear about that transitioning from what? A I hope bad you can pod- remember who's on it. Yeah, a bad podcast to a, a, a worse podcast. 
Okay, Joe, you're you're doing better when you just shush. Just be quiet. Don't talk. You're doing better. Just, you know, otherwise they're going to replace you. Unbelievable. All right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show. Glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Dr. Roz is going to be taking your calls for most of this hour. I have a couple of questions, though, first to get out of the way. Um, I want everybody to know this, that since the beginning of this, I don't think this man has slept more than two hours a night. How do I know? Because, well, all over the world and different time zones from China to France to Europe to everywhere in between, he's making phone calls. He's making phone calls. He is doing the deepest dive, not just on hydroxychloroquine, but on other medicines that are potentially life-saving treatment helping uh, of the American people. We spent a lot of time talking about ventilators. The first ventilators came off the GM assembly line today, and, and they're gonna, we're going to have plenty of ventilators. We now, thanks to all of the pharmaceutical companies, we have enough hydroxychloroquine. This drug, what is it called? Uh, Resendivir. Um, what do you call it? Say it. On Remdesivir. There. Remdesivir. Whatever. All right, what, I can't remember all these treatments. I'm not a. I'm not a drug addict, drug pusher. What do I know? And I'm not a doctor. But anyway, they're showing great promise. And he found Doctor Watson, the premier expert on lupus, rheumatoid arthritis. And his digging, he found the French studies, two of them. He found the, the, the one in China. I'm always questioning that. Um, and he's talked to doctors and patients, pa- doctors that are prescribing their different medicines and treatments like hydroxychloroquine and other things, and the patients that have tried them and used them and are bragging that they saved their lives. I mean, it is incredible what is going on. It is incredible the amount of effort that this man has put in and i just want to say up front thank you and and in the process doing his shows every day he does hits with all a lot of his local affiliates and big markets he does fox and friends every morning he does our show every night and then we get off the phone and if he's not talking to people all over the globe he's talking to people like me that are losers asking stupid questions all day um i've just come to really respect how hard he has worked and his level this this is his life's calling And, you know, everybody in medicine, just like everybody in politics, has an opinion. But there's nobody that has worked harder and helped more than Dr. Oz, and it's great to have you back. Well, you're very kind. I appreciate the... By the way, it's all true. I think the latest we stayed up was like 4 a.m. talking. I think. (laughs) I think you said to me, I do have a hit in an hour and a half, um, Fox and Friends. I don't know what time it was. But thank you for all you're doing. I know these questions are important. Look... I now we now have numerous treatments that you have been talking at length about. We now have the challenge of opening up New York City and and every state in the country. But New York City, obviously, if we can do that successfully, we can do anywhere else in the country successfully. The smallest geographical area, largest concentration of people. My plan to open New York City. It's just one plan. I'm a talk show host. I have an opinion on everything would be. Half the workforce in every building stay home. Essential personnel, when they come in, they get their temperature checked all day. For the meantime, for the interim, you wear a mask, you wear gloves at work. Social distancing because half the workforce is at home. And if you have a hot spot, you go in and you, you literally lean down on it as hard as you possibly can. Now, I also want to open City Field and Yankee Stadium. Now, if you're 
if you have underlying medical conditions, if you um, have a compromised immune system, just take the year off. You can't go. The same with football. But if people would be willing to get everybody that works in the stadiums have to be tested positive or negative for COVID-19, we have the ability to do at least that. Temperature checks for everybody coming in. Uh, you, everybody wears a mask. Everybody wears gloves. If they want to start out every other seat, I'm not married to that. I would prefer that if people do it that way, I think we can successfully open football and Major League Baseball and the Yankees and the Mets and the Giants and Jets can make their own emblem, you know, face masks. Thoughts? Well, it's uh, most of it's in line with what the White House task force came out with last night. And just to reiterate, there's some public health measures, right, testing and tracing, Right, technology can help there. There's some health systems issues I was going to point out, which is we got to make sure we have enough capacity in our hospitals. We have enough protective equipment to put masks on everybody, all those kinds of things. Uh, and we need that. That's, that's pretty important because if, if the real Achilles tendon is if we get a bunch of people sick again and run into what New York lived through. And then there's the individual responsibility part that you pointed out, social distancing, the hygiene, staying home if you're sick, which is, you know, that we don't want to do that anymore and of course you got to wear masks as, as you know whenever you do stuff if you want other people going to work and then of course if this gating criteria is how they called it is met over the course of 14 days if you see a continuing decrease in cases because you want to keep people safe then theoretically you can go to the next step you know phase two where you said take a little bit more uh, uh, leisure activities into account you know restaurants and things like that but you, you pointed out the biggest takeaway which is that Life for vulnerable people who have comorbid conditions will not return to normal anytime soon, right? And, and frankly, they're not going to let them return to have a vaccine. So for that population, which is, you know, half the population has comorbid conditions. So we got to mean, whoa, you know, half the population would has underlying medical conditions or compromised immune systems? Half? Yeah, if you include obesity, which is one of the comorbid conditions, it takes you to half. So uh, we have to be thoughtful about who's most at risk of those people and how to keep... Remember, they're not going to be locked away. They get, they're going to get, get to go out. But in the very beginning, we don't want to have folks in the community when something happens that we didn't expect. Because if we're doing this and there is a hot spot, you want to make sure that people in the hot spot are as healthy as possible. So they're not going to be in a hospital fighting for their life. And most of the people who are, who are without chronic conditions don't end up in a hospital. So by definition, they're going to be doing all, you know, struggling maybe at home, maybe not having that many symptoms, but at least they're going to survive and do okay. Now, the reason I lay out the plan this way, look, I'm healthy. As a matter of fact, I recently had my blood taken and I sent you the results just for the hell of it because I was bored late at night and you laughed. Um, I weigh 177 pounds. I'm in the best shape of my life. I have more muscle than I've ever had in my life. Um, work out like crazy. I'm in pretty good shape for an old guy. Um, so I don't fit into that category. The only reason I really will accept wearing the mask, follow, you know, everyone has to accept it because I don't want to, if I got it, I'm going to probably be fine because you're going to be all over it. And all my doctor friends are going to be all over it. Whoever, whatever hospital I'm in, I'm in they're going to hate me by the time I leave because my doctor army is going to come in every second of the day because they're all buddies of mine. But I don't want, if I got it, to infect somebody that might die from this. That's why I'm willing to do it. And if it means to me, okay, if that's the only way, if the choice is either I wear the mask or I can't go to the game, I'll wear the mask. I'll do it. And I'll drink out of a straw. I'll eat hot dogs, just lift my mask, take a bite, and then chew it under the respirator. I'm willing to do that for a short period of time. It's not going to be forever, right? 
No, no. Well, and by the time you get to phase three of this, then vulnerable individuals can go out in the public interaction a little bit, still have to practice social distancing and minimizing exposure. But by then, you'll have proven that you can do these things without getting sick. And that will give everyone comfort uh, that we'll be in the right space. In your opinion, would that plan work for City Field, Yankee Stadium, and the Meadowlands? Again, they're outdoor arenas. I, I mean, outdoor I stadiums. Yeah, I think it'll work eventually, but I wouldn't start there. I mean, start in parts of the country that haven't been hard hit by this virus. New York is really, you know, we we still have hospitals full of patients. That's, and I know you're talking about months from now, but I I like to see how parts of the country that have not been hard hit have done. I love to have the task force evaluate what works, what doesn't work. We may find surprisingly effective tactics uh, or new medications that help us with uh, with certain types of patients, things that we don't even know yet. So, what we don't have to predict the future, but I think our aspirational goal is to be able to occupy those fields before their seasons are over. Certainly in football season, you have enough months that you can get there. But what happens if you have an outbreak? We've got to be ready to get rid of fans and just continue the games themselves. Or, you know, God forbid we have another big outbreak. We'd have to deal with those as well. Now, one of the, 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 the best, this will be the last question I ask, then we'll take calls from our listeners for the rest of the hour. Um, you have been searching and looking and you've been asking people that are taking hydroxychloroquine for either lupus or rheumatoid arthritis for those people that are on it that have been taking it that are also that have also contracted the COVID-19 virus. The last time I asked you this question was probably a week ago. You've been actively, along with others, trying to find that person that has been using hydroxychloroquine for what is on-label use, and also contracting COVID-19. Now, there's a study at your affiliated hospital, Columbia Presbyterian. There's another one at NYU Langone going on. Have we found people? I found about two dozen people who say that they were on hydroxychloroquine and contracted COVID-19. Uh, statistically, again, if everyone in the country heard me, then you'd have many more than that. Uh, but the fact that we have some gives us a place to start so we can start evaluating, were they taking it regularly? What was their dose? How were they exposed? Was this exposure a lot? I mean, it just gives us some clues. The insurance study is continuing as well, where we're trying to uh, go through a bunch of insurance records and figure out what percentage of people who are already taking hydroxychloroquine chronically. We can tell that because you can see what their insurance records are dictating. And then we look at their medical records, it can tell if they got COVID-19. Now that we've had two weeks of official COVID-19 data entered into the Medicare database, it makes it easier for us to query this. And again, the reason for the audience that we're trying to do this is if it turns out that people who are already on hydroxychloroquine get COVID-19 a lot less, then it's a clue that it might be a preventive strategy we might want to use. And there's some great hospitals like the University of Minnesota, uh, Governor Noem and the group in, in, uh, at, at uh, Sanford Health in South Dakota are actively involved in doing clinical trials on this as well. They're doing a huge this study a- in Christy Noem yeah. State in South uh, Dakota, you're right. Yeah, she's exactly. telling us about it. All right, uh, Dr. Oz will take your calls for the hour. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity Show, Dr. Oz taking your call. Bob is in Maryland. Uh, now, he has a fib, apparently, and an artificial heart valve. Uh, I would imagine hydroxychloroquine might be tricky for you, Bob, but ask the real doctor, Dr. Oz. How are you? I'm doing great. Dr. Oz, thank you and bless you for what you do. 
Um, I was curious how susceptible you think I am with the 77-year-old, otherwise healthy male, but I do have occasional AFib. It's been uh, it's been corrected a couple of times, so I'm in and out of AFib. I have a porcine uh, heart valve, and I was just wondering how that stacks up for uh, for this corona susceptibility. Bob, do you have high blood pressure or uh, elevated blood sugar? Um, not sugar. My blood pressure runs just a tad high. I'm, you know, I'd say I average 135 over 80. That's better than mine. Are you on medication? Yeah, I am medications for it. I am. Yes. All right. So then you're considered hypertensive, even though you don't have it right now, you're treated for it. So you're definitely high risk, right. both from age right. uh, and also because of high blood pressure. And uh, I just would feel terribly if you got COVID-19. And I think you're in that category that Sean and I were speaking about earlier that should stay out of the mainstream of life, certainly in that first phase when people are just beginning to work out the kinks and see what's safe and what's not. And then hmm. depending on what happens, it'll probably be phase three before you start going out. And you may also want, you know, say, hey, listen, I'm going to wait till the vaccine comes because some major advance happens and we end up getting the vaccine earlier. So right now time is on your side if you just hide out. So that's what I would do. All right, Bob, we wish you the best. That's a good call. Uh, Kathy is in Texas with Dr. Oz. Hey, Kathy, how are you? Hi, thank you. Um, I was wondering if we would change our diets to like a keto or carnivore diet with intermittent fasting, would it boost our immune system so that it would reduce the symptoms of the virus? Well, theoretically, uh, intermittent fasting would help your immune system, but it's never been checked against uh, COVID-19. And we're not talking about the kinds of immune boost that would dramatically change how much a virus could take advantage of you because these viruses are weaponized, right? They get these little pie spikes on them. They penetrate into these cells in your nose that, are, that they perfectly know how to unlock. So I wouldn't trust that just going on a special diet would help with, uh, prevent me from getting it. On the other hand, every little bit helps, right? So if you're sleeping well and exercising daily, both of which message to your immune system that they need to be on the alert, if you're eating the right kinds of foods, and then, uh, as you mentioned, intermittent fasting potentially, these become attractive things you could try in the meantime. Vitamin D, by the way, is, um, is not again, not shown for the coronavirus, but in, you know, for other the cold and other traditional viruses, it seems to reduce the chance of getting it. You can just get that from the sunlight outside. You're very fit. Um, you know, you, you're obviously keep your weight down. How do you do it? Well, I, I intermittent fast. Uh, I, I, again, I do it for a bunch of reasons. I think I'm sharper when I do it. So I, I generally don't have breakfast till late morning, uh, depending on what I'm doing during the day. So I'll work out first thing, um, before this all started, of course, since this, since this coronavirus started, I haven't done anything except I'm still be, doing my workouts. Call. I'm not stopping, but go ahead. <laughs> all right. God bless you. Um, but otherwise just hammering away, trying to make sure that, uh, uh, that I don't make any foolish moves with my diet. I'll tell you one thing that I gave up a long time ago is dessert, because dessert is metabolic suicide. It I've given up dessert, hormones. too. I don't even have a taste for it anymore. I'll tell you one thing. I'm not giving up drinking. <laughs> I'm just well, not. Well, I, refu- okay. I refuse. <laughs> yeah. Well, wine you know. becomes dessert, right? Because if you, exactly. you wouldn't have a tiramisu with good Chianti. That's a great point. All right. Your questions, your comments uh, for Dr. Oz next half hour. Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina, coming up, and we're obviously we'll take the coronavirus task force uh, if that opens up straight ahead. By the way, working from home, if it doesn't present enough challenges in your life, our cybersecurity experts that they're telling you you better be extra vigilant. 
They are now witnessing up to a 20% increase in hacking incidents. And at home, it's less likely that you're protected by corporate software that scans for signs of danger. So this is where LifeLock comes in. Remember, remember, somebody's identity stolen every two seconds. People take out credit cards, loans in your name. They destroy your name, your finances, your reputation, your credit score. Uh, and they can even rob your retirement and bank accounts blind. You can protect yourself very inexpensively. LifeLock.com sees the threats you'll miss on your own. If you have a problem, they have a team of restoration specialists that picks it for you. All you have to do is call 1-800-LIFELOCK, go to LifeLock.com, and right now you'll save an additional 25% off their yearly rate. Just use the promo code Hannity, 800-LIFELOCK, LifeLock.com. All right, Dr. Oz, taking your calls. Before we get to the next uh, call, uh, our uh, Cracker Jack executive producer, Linda, who does not listen to her boss, Dr. Oz, because I told her to stay home, and she comes in half the time now. Um, anyway, she uh, said, what do you mean it's metabolic suicide? I can't have dessert. That was her question. You want, do you want to ask? Is that my asking? You yeah, properly? I need to. I mean, Dr. Oz, there's so little. I mean, I eat tons of blueberries. I do Peloton every morning. Oh, I eat salad gosh. every day for lunch. But a girl's got to have a little chocolate, a little oh, cake here and there. Cho- cho- chocolate, I don't mind. And if you have it in the middle of the day, that's fine. The problem is when you start taking a big dinner and then you have after a big dinner, especially if there's alcohol involved, then you have a big dessert. And what that does is signal to your insulin, which is one of the hormones in your uh, in your body that regulates blood sugar, that it's got a surge. And that stores all that food that you just ate as fat on your hips and elsewhere in your body. So uh, I don't like to stimulate insulin a lot late in, late in the day. So if you're going to have sweets, you ought to have them earlier in the day. You can have them at lunch. You can have them in the middle of the afternoon. Just, you know, it'd be nice if it was more than a couple hours after you had sweets before you went to bed. That way, that So the whole before not- six, it sticks thing. Exactly. Or after six, forgive me. <laughs> All right, let's let's go to uh, Cliff in Florida. You're on with Dr. Oz. Hi. Yeah, yeah Dr. Oz, uh, as you know, um, hydrochloroquine is just synthetic quinine. Uh, would drinking tonic water help um, uh, boost your level so that you would resist the, uh, the coronavirus? I don't think the level would be high enough. I, I don't know if it's ever been looked at. Obviously, there was, that was developed in its time for malaria. Uh, but I, I don't think the amount that you'd be getting would be enough. That, that stated, I wouldn't start taking hydroxychloroquine to prevent COVID-19 because we have no data that that's useful. You know, we're just starting to do these experimental studies, uh, you know, like the insurance uh, search that I was mentioning earlier, and having people who are taking it already who got COVID-19 let me know so I can start to analyze them. But uh, for, for the vast majority of people, you should just you know, do what you're already, already doing. And plus, you need to have a doctor involved because this is a prescription medication. So I, I think people who have contracted COVID-19 can have a serious discussion with their doctor. I don't think it makes sense to take it prophylactically until we have more data. Thanks for a good call, Cliff. Florence is in Staten Island, New York, on the all-new AM710 WOR. How are you? Hi. How are you, Sean? I'm good. Thank you. Okay, question, Dr. Oz. Okay. Would medical-grade air purifiers, such as used in ICU, be an asset in opening up our restaurants, our offices, the New York Transit? system of two million a day now i know that'll be quite a lot but we can make them sean in america but wouldn't that be a help it would it would make people feel much more comfortable if our air 
is terrified to an extent? I think it's a good question because they had to change the ventilation system at the Javits Center. I didn't know that till the president mentioned it in a in a in a presser he gave. Uh, good question. Hang on, Doctor Oz. In in theory, yes. I, I got to say, I never thought about it that widespread. I know that their company is completely revisiting how we clean our subways uh, because that's like one of the hot spots in New York that we think might be responsible for a lot of people getting infected and people have to get to work uh, when we, you know, when we eventually open up again. Uh, I hadn't thought about air uh, purification systems like that. It, it might work. I mean, I think, for example, planes um, have air purification systems. Half the air that you get in a little vent above your head comes from outside the plane, which is theoretically free of virus, and half it comes from inside which theoretically would have virus from one of the passengers. So they use a, uh, a different type of filter to clean it, but I don't know if it does anything to the viruses. All these are great questions. I got to say, I, 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 I want to get smarter in that area because I never thought about occupational health quite this way. And most of it's not geared for itty bitty viruses like this. So it, I think there's some, there's some lot, big opportunities uh, probably to help people stay healthier in general, not just from COVID-19, but even from influenza. A friend of mine is obsessed with airplanes, owns an airplane, and he said that he sprays his plane with an antiviral that lasts like 90 days. Um, As it relates to could commercial airlines do that? Should they do that? And if people wore masks on a plane and gloves, would that open up air travel faster or is that just a pipe dream? Well, I, when, you, when we do open up air travel, which is going to be in, you know, early in this phased uh, opening of the country, it's going to be for essential travel, and I think people are going to wear masks. I mean, I would not get in the plane without putting the mask down, not because I don't trust them, but just too, too many moving parts. I mean, getting onto the plane, getting off the plane, that if, uh, someone serving you a, a water, I mean, anything can potentially be a risk. So you're going to be you know, all glammed up with uh, masks and gloves and everything else while you're on the planes. And ideally, they won't be crowded, which will be the huge benefit of only essential travel being allowed. All right. Good uh, good points. Thank you, Doc. Uh, thank you for the call. Let's say hi to Jared is in North Dakota. Jared, how are you? You're on with Dr. Oz. Glad you called. Pretty good. I'm a trucker, so I was just kind of curious if, if we've had the COVID and we passed through it with no issues, are there antibody tests out there, and are we immune? And if we are immune, can we get, like, blaze orange hospital bracelets to show that we're free and clear and we can go anywhere, anytime? That idea has been raised. The answer to the first part is we have antibody tests, yes. Abbott just released one. We have others as well. We think we'll have a million tests in the country this week, um, within, the, within the next week, and then 4 million by the end of the month, and hopefully 20 million by June. So the company's ramping up pretty rapidly. It's a very reliable test, theoretically, because you don't have to swab any part of your body, and you're not going to miss it. It's your blood. So they take the blood. They look to see if their antibodies are already made against this virus. Some are predicting that 25, maybe even higher percentage of the population could have already been infected and just had mild symptoms and got better. So it would be fantastic to understand how many of us have actually been through it. Uh, And yes, it would allow you to go and and travel more readily. However, there have been a few instances of patients who had the infection, got better, and then got sick again. And we think that's because the virus never left their body, although we're not sure. There's always the possibility that it's a diff, you know you got reinfected. So I don't want people to have feel like they're completely immune from getting problems. But generally speaking, uh, you you should be okay if you've already been infected once. And I don't know about orange blade bracelet because I think people would be able to say that uh, a bunch of different things about uh, whether they cheated, did they get it really, this and that. But yeah, I mean, honor system is probably the best way of doing it. 
good call. Thank you, uh, Jared. Let's say hi to Robert in Texas. This is a good question because I, I go shopping every weekend, Dr. Oz, and I like to go. And I talk to the guys that are stocking the shelves, and I've actually had to tell some of them, what are you doing? Put a mask on. Um, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying. I'm like, these guys are stocking the shelves. They don't have masks. They don't have gloves. I'm like, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're opening yourself wide. You're making yourself wide open. Anyway, Robert has a question about that. Robert, how are you? I'm well, sir. First, God bless both of you and your staffs for the work and the information you all provide the nation. It's very important. Uh, I live in San Antonio. We're getting close to 2 million people. We have a major grocer here, H-E-B, whom I don't work for. But, you know, we've been shopping there for six to eight weeks. And two weeks ago, they started implementing some safety precautions. To the best of my knowledge, in the San Antonio area, only two H-E-B employees have tested positive. So how contagious is this really? My friends who are virologists, including Ian Lipkin, who was on my show today, says it's the most contagious virus he's ever seen in his life. Wow. So it is very contagious. However, it, from, for many people, is a well-tolerated virus. You're sick. I mean, you're not happy. You got it. But, you, you know, you do okay. For a lot of the younger folks, they don't get that many symptoms. So it's possible that uh, people may even have had it in the community and not been hurt badly enough that they're identified as being COVID-19 positive. However... There's a percentage of the population, folks with chronic illnesses, as we have discussed, who do not do well with this virus. And they're the ones that we are all working for to help. And we don't want them suffering. Uh, and so being super careful about all these moves ensures we don't have, have hospitals and ICUs packed with people uh, who have, you know, hypertension and normally would have been fine. But now their lives are changed forever because they got sick like this. All right, good call. Thank you, Robert. Let's say hi to Casey in Wisconsin. Casey, you're on with Dr. Oz. Glad you called. Hi, Dr. Oz. Uh, my question is, what constitutes a COVID-19 death? I just want to understand, is it, is it, you know, someone, if they have underlying conditions, is it because they contracted it, they wouldn't have died normally with their underlying condition, or what, what constitutes a COVID-19 death? Well, this is a profound question, really insightful. I, I think uh, for most of us, if you contracted COVID-19 and then died, it counts. That's what it is for influenza, for example. If you contract it and then you have a heart attack with the virus, it's still one of the deaths associated with influenza. With this uh, condition, the virus is aggressive in some people, and you can usually directly say if it wasn't for that, you'd be alive. Um, but there are going to be some people who were already really sick uh, and then contract the virus. After that, they were already sick, and then they die. And, you could argue, well, it wasn't the virus's fault. But I think for now what we should do is attribute every person who dies with COVID-19 as a COVID-19 death. Because there's no question it makes your life a lot more difficult. And I don't know any other way of doing it in an honorable way, because who wants to arbitrate whether you died from COVID-19 or the cancer you were suffering with when you got it? And that's one of the problems in nursing homes. You have people who are older and frailer. In China, the initial admissions came into hospitals, and there were all these people who were really sick in the ICU. Well, when they got the vi this virus, they died. And so you have to blame the virus, I think, for that, not the fact that they were already in the ICU. Casey, thank you. Let's say hi to Mark, who's in Virginia with Dr. Oz. How are you, Mark? Good morning, you two. Actually, good afternoon, and uh, thank you for taking my call. My question is about aller allergic reactions. My wife has an alpha-gal allergy, which makes her allergic to most mammal products. And especially uh, ones that come in medications, we have to be very careful for it. I wonder if the zithromycin or the other uh, medication you take with it 
is possibly has mammal products within it that can uh, cause allergic reaction. Well, it's a uh, <laughs> it's a complicated challenge. Um, these uh, these immunologic reactions that are happening because of spider bites and bug bites and you know tick bites, uh, they are creating havoc because they're revving up our immune system and forcing us to do things that we don't really want to do, uh, like making antibodies that are out of whack. And it does create uh, drug allergies. And I don't know the answer to your specific question because I don't, I haven't looked at it. Uh, and frankly, the number of doctors who understand alpha gal in those kinds of conditions are uh, limited. So this is a place where, thank goodness, these drugs are prescribed by doctors. So they'll you know, look on our databases. We'll see, okay, this person with this condition, with that antibody, have a reaction with this kind of drug. Uh, I do know that historically, uh, patients have done pretty well with uh, some of these medications. Uh, they have not had major issues, and there have been many, many of them prescribed. In some parts of the world, they're not of a prescription. Uh, but thankfully, they are here. And that's kind of a detailed question. It's an excellent one to raise because the doctor may have been thinking, asking you if you have that problem. All right. Good call, Mark. Thank you. Paul is in New Hampshire with Dr. Oz on the Sean Hannity Show. How are you, Paul? Glad you called. Thank you, Sean. Dr. Oz, uh, in New Hampshire during uh, the nice season, we have to worry about those wonderful things called mosquitoes. And I know we worry about Triple E and West Nile, um, and we do have people, you know, very, very minute, very small number of people that come down with cases and some even die. Is this disease or virus something we have to worry about being blood transfer from mosquitoes? We don't think this can, can convert to mis- from a mosquito bite, but we're not sure. And that's one of the realities of this virus. Uh, although it's been looked at, and everyone sort of feels comfortable with that statement, it's been said by folks who you know, really spend their lives studying this. Uh, you never know. It can surprise us. But it's not one of the ways I would fear right now getting the virus. Uh, all right. One quick last call. Uh, let us say hi to Ron in Baltimore with Dr. Oz. Hi. Hi. Thank you very much. Uh, my question is about uh, the clinical trials that you're doing for hydroxychloroquine and other drugs, uh, the question is about how far off do we think it'll be before they can make a determination, yes or no, whether these things are effective. Is it days or weeks or months or what? No, I think, I think it's months. It's going to take us that long. Uh, because these trials, they, you have to get the people enrolled in them, which takes time. And I'm aggressively trying to enroll people for this University of Minnesota trial, uh, you know, contributing money, time, emails, just trying to get people to sign up for it. Uh, and it, you know, it, it's just slow going because you got to get people to say, okay, I'm going to do 50-50. I mean, I'm not sure what I'm getting. I'll do the best I can with whatever I got because you got to ra- have to randomize the trial. If you don't randomize the trial, then you'll never know if you actually have a good solution or just you're, you're providing great care and, and the drug just happened to come along for the ride. Uh, Dr. Oz, you're always generous with your time, and we've been doing this as we go through this COVID-19, how bad is it going to spread in other parts of the country real quick in the final 30 seconds we have? I don't think we're going to peak in hospitalizations for another week or two. Uh, there are some parts of the country, like the governor of Georgia was telling me, Governor Kemp, uh, who's doing a great job down there, that he doesn't think they're going to peak till May 7th. Uh, that stated, if their peaks are much, much smaller than the New York City peak, then it won't be nearly as painful for those areas. And so I think that the total number of hospitalizations may not come down that much uh, over the, the next couple of weeks, even though the death rates uh, may not go up because a lot of people aren't in the ICU. And uh, we won't have any humanitarian crises threatened where we just don't have enough beds for the people who get ill. But it is a lesson to us. Other parts of the country are still suffering that, that 24-day washout that New York City had to go through. 
Uh, Dr. Oz, you're doing amazing work. You're up night and day. You're generous with your time. This is your calling in life. It's uh, when people are passionate about what they do, it's infectious to me. And one thing I like to remind everybody, these are not words we sing, land of the free, home of the brave. That defines us. We'll get through it, and you're going to help us. Thanks for all you're doing. All right, 800-941-SEAN. Senator Scott, I say bring the Senate and House Republicans back in session. Vote every day. Uh, by the way, quick break. We'll come back and much more on the other side, including more of your calls. Straight ahead on this Friday. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. We'll get to your calls. The uh, coronavirus task force briefing is scheduled for 6 p.m. today. So uh, it looks like we'll have the full show. We'll get to a lot more calls as we uh, continue. Uh, I, I'm lucky enough to call our next guest a friend. I've gotten to know him and, and love him, and he's great. And I don't know. I think he might be better than the other senator from his state, uh, Lindsey Graham. Uh, senator Tim Scott is with us. He's got a brand-new book out. Uh, we're going to talk about that, talk about, obviously, what we need to be doing with Congress and COVID-19 and everything in between. But the book is uh, – we put it up on Hannity.com. It's on Amazon.com. I normally would say bookstores everywhere, but you're probably going to have to buy it online. But you can link it to Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Uh, Opportunity Knocks, an overcomer's story for the challenges of today and tomorrow and – how hard work, business, community can improve the lives and end poverty. You know, I, I really never even asked a lot of questions about your past, I realized, because they the, I read the first the description of the book, and it says, from a childhood of a fatherless, uh, fatherless poverty to dreams demolished by a random accident to the floor of the United States Senate, New York Times bestselling author, Senator Tim Scott's new book, Opportunity Knocks, offers a compelling case for what's possible in America— um, I did not know that you were the only uh, African-American, black American ever elected to both Congress and the Senate in history. Uh, I did know that you are the only African-American Republican in the Senate. Um, and I, I want to know more about your background because uh, I did not know you, you had you grew up without a dad uh, and the story about your dreams being demolished, I want you to tell people. How are you, by the way? Well, thank you. I'm doing well, Sean. How are you? Yeah, don't shake Lindsay's hand when you see him, whatever you do. <laughs> I, um, I will not. He and I are practicing social distancing by doing calls together, but never in the same city. We're concerned <laughs> I don't blame you. close at all. So, uh, if he's listening, he's going to get mad, but okay. go. So tell, tell, I want to hear about this. Yeah. Well, I was raised in a single-parent household, mired in poverty. My mother was a nurse's aide, the lowest part of the food chain in the hospital. She changed bedpans and flipped patients for 16 hours a day and would come home, and she wanted two things in life. She wanted her boys to become successful, and she always wanted to know, wanted us to know that the way forward is work hard work and integrity. So she worked 16 hours a day to make sure we had a model in the house of hard work. She couldn't get a better job, but she wanted to always have a job. And that stuck with me. And then I, I, I found myself, Sean, on the wrong path. Frankly, I was a freshman in high school. I was flunking out of high school as a freshman. I failed Spanish and English. When you fail Spanish and English, no one calls you bilingual. Oh, they boy. They all call you 
by ignorant because you can't speak any language. <laughs> by the way, we would have been best friends at that time of life because I was incorrigible, <laughs> but uh, I won't interfere with your great story. And uh, so I also felt world geography and civics, civics being the study of politics, tells me God has a sense of humor that I wound up being a United States senator. Unfortunately, after seven years in the Senate, I noticed on the left, there are a lot of people who are not passing basic civics for our nation. I'll say this. that my Well, what turned you around? I mean, in other words, because I look, I had a similar story. I mean, I was financially independent since I've been 10 and I, wow. you know, when I was 12 years old, I'd come home every Friday, Saturday, and even Sunday night, you know, like two in the morning, you know, flying home from uh, the restaurant I worked in on my bicycle, having had two St. Pauli girls before I left. Well, you, uh, you, uh, we have similar stories then. I started working at 13 years old. What turned me around, Sean, was two things, the prayers of my mother, and mm-hmm. then as a 15-year-old, I met a Chick-fil-A operator, a guy named John Moniz. And John, for some reason, took a liking to me. His sons and I became friends, and he slides this Chick-fil-A sandwich across the concession stand at the movie theater where I was working, and he started telling me that football and entertainment are not the paths forward. Yes, you can succeed, but always think of yourself as a business person. Work for yourself, no matter who you're working for. Those lessons, they started to really percolate in my heart. He started telling me that having a job is a good thing, but creating jobs is a better thing. And he said, one day I want you to know the difference between making a profit and having an income. When you make a profit, you can change communities. When you make an income, you can only change your life. And literally through four years of being mentored by a small business owner, conservative Republican, and a Christian, he embodied the future I wanted to see in my life. And he was a white guy, by the way. And it's part of what you will read about in Opportunity Knox is sometimes we spend so much time on the negative racial history of our country that we forget the positive racial realities of this country. My life was transformed by a guy who saw the content of my character, and he forced me to live up to my highest ideals and not just think them, but to walk them out. He said, faith without works, James 2.17, it's dead. Exactly. Not bad for for a kid that, you know, was thrown out of church. But and uh, now let me ask you this (laughs) now, because my mom was a prison guard, worked 16 hour shifts her whole life and died, died young because of it, in my view. But um, my question now, why was your father not there? Did he pass away or? No, my parents got divorced when I was seven years old. He was an Air Force uh, person and, 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 and a good guy in many ways. Just uh, He just had some challenges that manifested in the relationship. So we moved back to South Carolina. And from seven until I was probably 23, 24, we had a very strained relationship. Did but, you patch uh, that up? God's gr- I'm sorry? Did you eventually patch it up? We did. It took it took me 25 years to, to to start that process, and we are better friends today than at any other point in our in, in our lives. It's a blessing from the good Lord to have a second chance, a chance at redemption, and he and I have been able to become friends. We that's are not awesome. as close, of course. When you, that's, that's, that's listen, I think it's America. hard. I think. Listen, you know. Uh, look, I, I always get in trouble when I say this, but I mean, you know, like moms bring a a, a beauty and a love to kids that 
that no man can offer. It's just a, a, a thing. I don't know. But and and you know, it's always my role to be the bad cop. That's it. I'm the bad guy. And you yeah. know, I keep telling my my kids, you're not my best friend. I don't need a best friend. I'm, my job is to be your father. That's it. Yes. And when it, you know, I want to be kind and nice and best friends with them. And when they get a little bit older, hopefully we're there. But until that we get to that point, I'm still got to be their father first. Uh, by the way, we got a caller from South Carolina who wants to talk to you. Um, uh, line three, uh, you're on with Senator Tim Scott. Who's this? Uh, I don't know. Who's this? <laughs> I know who this hey, is. Yeah, this is Lindsey Graham. <laughs> This yeah, is your partner Lindsay, in crime, Lindsay, Senator. Yeah, yeah, I like Sean Hannity. I hate kids. Oh, jeez. Oh, I'm like, don't hate kids. I love my kids. I hate kids. I hate dogs. Buy his book so he'll leave me alone. What do you mean you hate dogs? I mean, that's going to go viral. <laughs> Tell everybody you're kidding. I am kidding. I like kids you, and dogs. You're allowed to hate bats. You can hate bats. <laughs> God, I hate Chinese bats. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I know, you guys are very close. I mean, I can tell the story. You guys are very, very close. And sometimes in the Senate, you have two senators, same state. They hate each other. That's not the case with you guys. You... Well, I'm Absolutely not. Him. He's, a, he's been a blessing to our state, and he's an African-American Republican, and that's no easy thing in this world in which we live in. And, you know, I was hearing, you know, I've heard this story before by Tim. It's it's inspiring, and uh, you know the Republican Party's lucky to have him. He's a great conservative, but beyond that, he can connect with people at a level that a lot of us can't. And I just appreciate him. Uh, well, thank you, you Lindsey. Know, Lindsey's a good man. I tell you, Sean. You, I know you make fun of me and Lindsey, but Lindsey has uh, been a great <laughs> senior senator, and not—I didn't say senior citizen, Sean. I said senior senator. <laughs> oh man. And, uh, well, the other then when you got part of the trio, which is Trey Gowdy, who for a while was a pain in my ass because he wouldn't come on the program. I'm like, what is up with this guy? He'd only go, he'd only go on Hannity when Jason Chaffetz was filling in, and finally I just started calling him out on air until he finally gave in. I talked to him yesterday. I told him I was on your radio show. He loves you. Nah, he's a great guy. I'm, I, listen, I'll you know what I'm looking forward to. I honestly, I mean, I'm think I'm like everybody else. I can't wait to get outside, go to a restaurant, drink a beer yes. in a restaurant, have a steak at Hall Steakhouse. Now, when when uh, when Senator Graham was was being quarantined, Senator Scott, I, I literally felt bad for him. So I sent over like food for 20 people. Then I realized, oh, he's in isolation. <laughs> I, I, I should have thought I could have saved a lot of money. What I did, well, I sold it to everybody in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm probably you're probably going to have to uh, now I fill out some Senate form, or Hannity they're going to they're going to accuse me of trying to bribe a senator when he was in isolation. Well, it was under fifty dollars of value. You send them over Taco Bell, so that was fine. Yeah, fine. Taco was fine. Bell uh, Hall steak. Yeah, okay, we'll go along with that story. <laughs> There's no evidence of it. I ate There's it no all, evidence. But, uh, you ate all the evidence. Isn't that the <laughs> stupidest? That's just the dumbest thing. But, I, you know, you were worried for a while. Let me ask you both while I have you. Both of you are doing a great job. Um, can we make a rule going forward that any more monies, if there's going to be money? Because we, we never spent $2.2 trillion before. We never, you know, opened up $4.5 trillion in loans with the Fed. Can we say any more money has to be COVID-related, period? Clean bills only. None of this, the endowment for the arts, humanities, this Kennedy Center. I mean, no changing election or immigration laws. 
How about a clean bill and insist on it and Republicans unite around it? Senator Scott. 100%. One of the things that Lindsay and I both did on the floor of the Senate, we tried to find a way to pull back from the craziness brought to the table by the Democrats. If you look at the list of Pelosi's plunders, she wanted not $25 million for the Kennedy Center, multiple times more. $600 million for the humanities. They drove it down, but you are 100% correct. We need clean legislation that is temporary and targeted for COVID-19 and nothing else, period. Lindsay? Yeah. Amen. Amen. The first thing we've got to fix, too, Sean, is that Tim and his colleagues in the Finance Committee came up with this small business loan to allow people to borrow two and a half times their payroll to keep their employees attached to their business until we can, you know, start to open up the the country again. And that's a good good idea. But we also created unemployment benefits that paid people more not to work than to work. And Tim and I had an amendment, and you supported us. Every Republican, I think, but one or two voted for it. But right now, we've got a, an odd situation, Sean, where you're paying people more to be unemployed than they were getting at the job site. And if we don't fix that, we're never going to have an economic recovery. We, we, we got to get this country open. Now you guys have the Gamecocks down there and you guys have football down there. We, we got to make it. I, I put out a plan last night. That's the, the dopey talk show host Hannity plan. Anybody's welcome to improve it, but I, I want Yankee stadium open. Uh, I want USC football for you guys uh, in the, in the, in the fall. Uh, and if I have to get my temperature taken before I get in the stadium, if I have to wear a mask and gloves, I'll do it. If the choice is stay home or go through that, I'm willing to do that, Senator Scott. 100%. Here's what we need to do, and the president is moving in that direction. Lindsey and I are both on the president's task force of senators to get this country back up and running. The first step, as he said, is we have to expand the number of people that can gather. It's hard to do business in a restaurant if you can't have them coming inside. He's been spot on because he's an entrepreneur who understands how to open businesses. He is helping through three phases us get this country up and running and to do it with an abundance of testing so that right. you know who has had it and who does it. Lindsay, we're going to let you go. Senator Scott, you stay. Thanks. Senator, thanks for checking in with us uh, and helping our friend. The book is called Opportunity Knocks, uh, an overcomer's story for the challenges of today and tomorrow, how hard work, business, community can improve the lives and end poverty. It's an amazing story and background. Senator, there's a guy from South Carolina calling in that knew your granddad. We're going to take that call next. All right, as we roll along, Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina, opportunity knocks an overcomer story for the challenges of today, tomorrow, how hard work, business, community can improve the lives and end poverty. Amazon.com, Hannity.com. Senator, we have apparently somebody that knew your grandfather, Ryan, in South Carolina. Ryan, say hi to your senator. How are you? Uh, hello, Senator Scott. No, there, there was a misunderstanding. I, I didn't know his grandfather. I heard a story that uh, Trey, Trey Gowdy told about Senator Scott's grandfather that I wanted to make a comment about. Uh, he said that um, he told a story. He was preaching at a church, um, not your grandfather, but uh, Trey Gowdy. And he told this yeah. story. He said that your grandfather would sit at the, the table in the morning and thumb through the paper but that your grandfather couldn't read, but he wanted to instill in you how important it was not only to, to read, 
but wow. to read the newspapers. Is there truth to that? And if so, I have a, a additional comment. Yes, uh, Ryan. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Ryan, that is a true statement, without any question. When I when we moved back from from Michigan to my grandparents' house, the first couple of years we were in Charleston, my grandfather would have his cup of coffee and newspaper. He wanted to have a great example of just absorbing all the news in the newspaper and my brother and I would sit there and watch him read through it and about and you thought 15 he read years later I didn't know he did not know he could not read until 15 years later unbelievable anyway the book's phenomenal it's called opportunity knocks an overcomer story for the challenges of today tomorrow how hard work business community can improve the lives and end poverty Senator Tim Scott amazon.com Hannity.com and he will be joining us on Hannity tonight 9 Eastern Senator, you're an inspiration. This book is great. People need to get it ASAP. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Sean. See you later. 800-941-SEAN. Your call's next. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls here in a second. Well, Linda, I tried. I have tried now to, to get some peace between the governor and the great state of New York, Andrew Cuomo, and the president, but it's just not meant to be. I mean, I give up, but at this point, I just have to give up. The president's watching Cuomo's press conference today. And, you know, then Cuomo's saying, I need, you know, testing. I need to. I'm like, and the president's just like, well, okay, I built you, you know, five hospitals. I manned the biggest hospital in the entire country, the Javits Center, because you needed manpower. You needed personnel. I sent you the Navy hospital ship. I sent you all the ventilators you asked for that you needed. And you had. Now you're giving away my ventilators. I mean, that's what he said. And all the masks, gowns, shields, gloves that were needed. And even the governor on this program yesterday rightfully said, I, I, the president delivered for New York. I thought I was bringing them together. Now opening New York City is going to be the biggest challenge. And one of the things that, you know, if we stop the death, that's what the doctors and the researchers and the scientists, you know, that I put so much faith in. I think they've done a great job. And, you know, we have now been able to break down the sequence of a virus faster than ever. We now have uh, phase one trials for a vaccine going on, but that's 15 months away in all likelihood. So in the meantime, then we've looked at all of the treatments that are available Remdesivir. How do you say it? Remdesivir. Yeah. Remdesivir. Remdesivir. Write it down for me and send me a big thing. I keep forgetting. All right. Um, I sound like Joe Biden. Um, no, no, never. And hydroxychloroquine. And, you know, all these doctors wanted it. Well, the, the president provided it for New York and New Jersey. Democrats, they, you know, he's putting in a travel ban. I will tell you what a decision that was in retrospect, 10 days after the first case. And the media will never give this man credit. The media just hates this president, hate him. So the president is like, okay, you governors asked for the authority. They were all asking, well, I'll decide. Oh, no, we're going to tell him how to do. Okay, you got the, now you got the authority. And if you're going to open up your city, your state, you better have a plan. And if you don't do it right, we'll have to come swoop in and save you again. But you know, when a president not only builds you all these hospitals, sends his hospital ship, sends you all your ventilators, sends you the, all your hydro, hydroxychloroquine, sends you gloves, masks, shields, everything you need. And by the way, New York and California, not exactly states that are voting for Trump. Trump's saying this is about death. We were all hands on deck. And so I guess he didn't like the governor out there saying that the president has got to provide more testing and he got pissed. 
Then he tweeted out, Governor Cuomo should spend more time doing and less time complaining. Get out there, get the job done. He's been saying that to the governors all over the country. And that is, we will have you back, but you got to do your part. Stop talking. We built the thousands of hospital beds that you didn't need or use. We gave you large numbers of ventilators, the over 5,000 that you should have had, he said, and helped you with the testing that you should be doing. We have given New York far more money, help, equipment than any other state by far. And these great men and women who did a great job never hear you say thanks. Your numbers are are not good. Let's talk more action. Now, Cuomo is asked the question during his daily press briefing because that's when the tweet went out. And and his response is, well, maybe the maybe the president should get off the couch and go to work. I'm like, really? The president is also watching this press conference. He tweeted 13 minutes ago, quote, Governor Cuomo should spend more time doing and less time complaining. Get out there and get the job done. Stop talking. We built you thousands of hospital beds that you didn't need or use, gave large numbers of ventilators that you should have had and helped you with testing that you should be doing. It goes on a little bit more. So wondering if you could respond to that. And then also the question about the overwhelmed ICU. Good. Let's respond to the uh, president. Uh, First of all, if he's sitting home watching TV, maybe he should get up and go to work, right? Uh, really, I, 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 I tried. I tried. Listen, you got two New Yorkers who have lived their entire lives acting like this. It's not going to change. And even if they both have the same goals, a friend of mine always says, we, a lot of us have the same goals, but we just take different paths to get there. So I just hope that their paths end up no, in the it, same th- place. Then he, then he went even further. I mean, th- th- this is now, <laughs> if there were a, a, a husband and wife, it'd be called irreconcilable differences at this point. You know, what am I supposed to do? Send the bouquet of flowers? That's what Cuomo said. That the, the president doesn't want to help on testing. The president already is helping on testing. Over 4 million tests have been done nationwide. Well, where are the drive-up? Drive-up testing is five iterations ago. Two weeks ago, we didn't have Abbott's uh, antibody test. They now have a million of them this week out there. Abbott did that. Now, the government, the president said, if you can get it cheaper, go get it cheaper. We'll have your back if you, you need help beyond that. I mean, you know, we've been calling Abbott. We called, you know, the, the pharmaceutical producers Teva in, in Israel about hydroxychloroquine. We were working with, you know, doctor friends of ours. Uh, we had our good friend at Atlas, Atlas MD, Dr. Josh Umber, and we had Dr. Oz. You know, and we were looking at that point. We didn't think we had enough hydroxy. Now Novartis is doing 150 million doses. Um, Bears doing doses. The first ventilators came off the GM assembly line today. They got 150,000 ordered. We're going to have plenty of them. Now the next thing I think we'd probably need is a lot of masks. That's in the pipeline. Everybody's on hands on to make them. And the testing is changing every day. You know, they're think they uh, nobody knows this, but I have sources telling me that they now I think have found a new saliva test. Did you hear about that, Linda? Yeah, they're actually doing it in Pennsylvania, where they have you driving up. They have a right. bucket, and you spit into the bucket. <laughs> it's cr- right. well, thank you for that. That was uh, was lovely. Anywho, so did I you mean, read about that app that might might be able to sort of artificial intelligence? You cough, and they t- they can tell if maybe you need to be looked at. 
Listen, I think there's a lot of things that are already in play. I mean, if you look at anything you do online and you get ads that pop up for things that you're watching, I mean, it's clear there's a lot of things that already tap into who we are. If it can be used to save a couple of lives, that's fine. But I just think that line between overreaching and trying to help is very, very fine. I just find that, you know, when Cuomo goes out there, what does he want, a bouquet of flowers? I'm like, okay, you're never going to fix the relationship with the president. And the president right, but did devil's everything. advocate, devil's advocate. No it, devil's advocate I here. I love Trump. Then he says the only thing but, he's doing, this is what he says, the only thing he's doing is putting power in states' hands. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's not what he's doing. Look what he's done. New York was screwed without Donald Trump's help. I mean, they had no ventilators. They didn't have any extra hospital beds. They had nothing prepared. And so, okay, now Governor Cuomo, all these other governors wanted the power. They got it. Right. And And then he starts lecturing the president. Then it gets worse. He starts lecturing the president on the 10th Amendment. He goes, "Uh, what are you going to grant me what the Constitution gave me before you were born? This is what he said today. It's called the 10th Amendment. I don't need the president of the United States to tell me I'm governor. I didn't need the president to tell me the powers of state, of a state. I didn't I don't need the president to read the Constitution for me. Maybe he should have read the Constitution before he said he had the power to open the states. Now, if you want the guy to help you, you're not helping your cause by doing all of this. He's not, especially the guy that in his own words yesterday said delivered for New York. He's picking a fight. And it's actually to President Trump's credit. He hasn't allowed that to get in the way, despite all of the things like Gavin Newsom is a perfect example. They have so many lawsuits against this administration. Sixty eight. But President Trump has done everything he can for the state of California, despite how much they are against him. And so to President Trump's credit, he looks beyond you know, sort of the tit for tat that's going on and the politicization of Listen, the issue. I just want dying to first. Fir- let's first things first. We want the dying to end. If we can, that's why the that's why we've spent so much time focused on this program on the treatment to save lives. That's it. But we did it for that one reason. If you stop the dying, then you prevent further contraction. And again, if the patterns play out, what do we have? We, you know, if the the pattern is that you have a leveling off and then after the leveling off, then you have a slight decline, then a precipitous decline. But then you have to watch out for what they say is when, not if, and when the rebounds happen, the hotspots. They talked about this at the task force briefing yesterday. You got to jump on it in record time. Now, in the process, they got to get more thermometers, more masks, more gloves, and I'm just looking at, all right, I, I'm not saying I'm a panacea that I have all the answers. I'm telling everybody what I would do. Now, other states are going to have it a lot easier in terms of opening up. They never closed South Dakota. Idaho is now open, but they're still practicing social distancing. Now, I'd like New York City to open because it's such a big part of the economy and the financial capital of the United States. So for the economy in new york opening new york city you have the smallest geographical area the highest concentration of people in that area okay it's more complicated so the hannity plan if you will is that everybody gets the temperature taken everybody inside has to wear gloves and masks for the time being 50 percent of the workforce has got to work from home so you build in the social distancing You have to figure out how people are going to eat and eat safely. That's doable. And and at that point, then you just got to watch it. 
It's going to be a lot about temperature taking. And as these tests come online, they're going to get cheaper and cheaper and more readily available. There are 25 tests in the in the right now in the hopper. We've we've been they've been moving the ball in one iteration after another, and it gets better every time. The antibody test, the five minute test, the six and a half hour test, the 24 hour test, the three day test. You can test everybody eventually, but get the city up and running. Now, why have I focused on, you know, a plan to get Yankee Stadium open? Why have I focused on a plan? Because Yankee Stadium is important to the economy. Um, and I will tell you, it. what I would do is the same thing. Everybody, if you want to go, you can stay home. And all those ticket takers don't work. And all those vendors don't work. I think they'd rather work. But that would mean that all the people that work at Yankee Stadium, they're going to have to have the test. COVID positive, negative. You got to maintain medical privacy, civil liberties, constitutionality. That's obvious. I've been saying that over and over again. But if everyone gets the temperature taken, does it, just because you could be asymptomatic and still have it. So if you want to open up Yankee Stadium you, and you want to open up the Meadowlands for football, for the Giants and Jets and every other outdoor stadium or city field for the Mets, well, I, I think if I called Randy Levine over at the Yankees and said, hey, Randy, why don't you build start start making Yankee masks and hand them out to fans as they come in to all wear the same mask. For me, my choice, I'm not telling other people what to do. If my choice is to stay home or get my temperature taken, wear a mask, wear gloves at Yankee Stadium and watch a game. I'd rather go. That's my choice. Now, if you have underlying health issues, compromised immune systems, you might have a different choice you, you might have to sit the season out but if you're generally healthy and everyone else is in a mask and everyone has the temperature taken now what if somebody has a hot temp well i think you have a protocol the protocol would be very gently say sir ma'am can you can you come over here by the way you have a temperature um here is our recommendation you know go to see your doctor go get a test uh you might this is how you isolate if you're home from other family members, so if you do have it, they don't contract the virus from you. Uh, this is what contact tracing means. Think back who you were in contact with the last 14 days to the extent you can and call them. All done privately. They don't know your name. They gave you the advice, but they can't let you in Yankee Stadium. Then you're always going to have it's New York. Then some idiot that's not going to want to wear a mask. So you walk over, you hand the guy a mask, hand the group of guys a mask. Say, guys, you got to wear it. That's the rules or else you can't watch the game. You ask nicely. You hand them a mask. Then they want to be jackasses. There's always a jackass. Then you're going to have to say, guys, don't make us do this. Please wear the mask for the safety of other people that want to watch the game and are abiding by the, the temporary rules. Um, and, you know, you'll, you'll deal with a few. I think most people will accept it for the health of other people. But we got to get moving. We got to get this country up and working. We got to. We can't afford it. We're a consumption society. When these numbers roll in for this quarter, GDP, unemployment, it's going to suck. But this quarter is April, May, and June. It's only April 17th. We got two and a half months left in this quarter. Let's accept this quarter's gone. But by July, let's have the country up and running with more ventilators, gloves, masks, gowns, and more more ability to identify and test by the time a possible fall rebound happens. 
That's the only thing I can think of. Is it, am I missing anything, Linda? You tell me if I'm dumb or smart. I mean, listen, I work for you. I think you're a genius. So, you know. <laughs> Oh, so you're doing the opposite of the Cuomo thing. You're just lying to me. I know where to make my enemies. No, I mean, listen, it's it's a tough situation. But at the end of the day, I think they both want to do the same things. They just go about it very differently. And they want to make sure one of them looks like, you know, they're fighting for who looks like the tough guy here. It's a okay. shame. I, I, you know what? I don't think any president could have done more for any one city. I, really I completely agree with you. I think he did a so lot. I don't know, so I don't think it's in Andrew's best interest to, you know, be firing back. I need, I need, I need. I'm, I won't call Abbott. Call the temperature, you know, people. Make a deal. Everybody a wants way. to kick now, the I'll can tell you down another thing. the road. All spending has got to be clean. COVID-related spending. That means that means uh, hospital gear, small business, displaced workers only. No more crap in these bills. And the faster we get up and running, the less money the American taxpayers are going to be on the hook. You can't have these governors and mayors all over the country trying to balance their budgets off the backs of this virus. That's the next thing that's going to happen. You watch. Mark my words. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. And let not your heart be troubled, Hannity. Tonight at 9, the President's Task Force. Now we'll have the latest updates. Have a great weekend. See you Monday.